pray. Um, pray for them. Pray for, for, for Kiev, for the Ukraine, uh, for the disciples there uh, who are actually left there. Um, the men are left there, and so they are having house churches um, uh, still, um, and uh, which, which to me is, is super encouraging to know that there is a war happening there, and they are still committed to meeting together. Um, and so, uh, so be praying for them. Pray for the ones who have had to have their, their wives and their children go to Poland, for instance, or Moldova, and they had to stay because Ukraine needs them, needs them to fight, right? And so uh, we are not accustomed to war, <laughs> Right. We, we see war in the scriptures. We see, you know, this kind of thing in the scriptures. But we as um, in the in, in, in this century are not accustomed to war. Right. Um, the disciples there aren't accustomed to war. And so be praying for them. Uh, pray for the ones who have to sleep in a bomb shelter all day um, and, uh, and pray that all this will stop um, somehow. Um, and so let's let's go ahead and continue um, with I'm sorry with um, today's message. Uh, but first, let's start off with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God. Uh, first and foremost, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. God, we pray that you will be with them, that you will continue to shelter them, watch over them. Uh, so far, we haven't, uh, or as as of that video, we haven't heard of anybody who has uh, lost their life. But Father, I pray that you continue to protect them. God, I pray that you intercede in what is happening right now um, and, and stop this war. Uh, Father, I, I know that this, uh, this is happening based on so much history there between Russia and the Ukraine, uh, dating back to the Cold War, Father. But I pray that you will, you will put an end to this, God, um, that you will, you will help your people, your sons and your daughters, and you'll help the, the, the city of Kiev, Father, and the capital, and, and the rest of the Ukraine, Father, and uh, be with those people. Um, Father, I pray that in some way they will know that you are with them. Father, um, I pray for today's message as we close out the All In series. Father, that, uh, that uh, you will be with me. Give me an extra dose of your spirit this morning, and that this message will be yours and uh, not my opinion, Father, but I pray that also that at the end of this message, we can all make a decision to go all in. Father, we thank you so much, and it's through your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, you know, you study history in order to learn from it, right, and, and make a change. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons why history is available to us. Um, as we even think about what is happening in in Russia and the Ukraine right now, that is that is as a result of some history, right? And so I think there, it's so important that we, as we study history, we learn from history. You know, in Corinthians, Paul talks about the same things, that the, the things that we see written in the scriptures are to teach us, right? And, um, you know, two Sundays ago, we, we continued our sermon series titled All In with a sermon about Solomon the wisest man to ever live, where we learned some of his history. In this in this series, we we looked at how 
um, being all in is a key to success and to happiness. And last Sunday, we, we took, took it a step further by looking at how all, being all in is also the way to have an accurate measure of love. And so as we looked at Asa, we, we, we learned some history. Look at Solomon. We learned history. We talked about Elisha in the beginning, and we learned some history. This week, we will look at people who were, especially Elijah, who were called to make a decision to go all in. You know, we're calling this week, this week's close to the series, The Crossroads of Destiny, Elisha. You know, we're all at a crossroads, right? And I think it's important that we make the right decision while we, while we are at that crossroads. You know, the backstory, I just want to talk about the backstory here for a moment of, of, um, of Elisha and, and, and some of Israel here. You know, there was wickedness and idolatry in Israel. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, who, the, the worst king and queen in that time, Ahab and Jezebel. Right? First um, Kings 16, 29 through 30. It says, in the 38th year, 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And Ahab grew, he, Ahab grew this reputation, right, of, of as one of the most evil kings to ever live. You know, he married a pagan princess who wanted her religion to be the exclusive one in Israel, Jezebel, right? And she's a Sidonian. We, we learned a little bit about Sidonians before, didn't we? If we remember from 1 Kings 11.1, 1, that Sidonians distorted Israel's covenantial faith right they distorted israel's faith and remember we and remember solomon went ahead and married one of them ahab you know he just i don't know man he just becomes putty in jezebel's hands and they're just pure evil together great but we also have the greatest prophets right one of the greatest prophets to ever live in elijah in 1 Kings 7, 1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. What a statement, huh? To just say, look, it's not going to rain unless I say so. Some background of Elijah, his name means Yahweh is my God. His name reflects a dismissal of other options but God. That's his name. Yahweh is my God, and that, which means that there is no other God. What a name. When, time gets e when times get evil... God raises up someone to help. We see what's going on in the Ukraine right now. When times get evil, 
God raises up someone to help. And that's the call for all his disciples, is that someone will raise up and help. I appreciate what, what Sean Wooten is doing there. Sean Wooten has been there probably about 30 years in the Ukraine, leading that church, an American leading that church. I know his brother very well. And there's been, there have been many different incidences, not, not like this, but that he's had to go through while he's there. Tom knows him very well. Right? And he's there giving his life to God and those people. God raises up somebody every time. As preachers, as leaders, some of you serving as, as family group leaders, core group, the board, and just even leaders of your homes, we need to look at ourselves in a biblical frame. God is using us to call people back to him. Be it your family member or be it in the church, be it in the city, God is using you to call people back to him. This all took place around 874 to 853 B.C. And Ahab, he gets a lot of coverage in the scriptures. You know why? Because he's a bad guy. And again, history teaches us. So he gets all this coverage in the scriptures to tell you what a bad guy looks like. If you don't know. Right? And so what, is, what happens here? What, what happened? Three and a half years of drought is what they're going through. And God had promised that if his people turned from him, to other gods, he would withhold dew or rain. And so that's what they're experiencing. No, no water, no food. This was a hit on Baal, on Baal worshippers who believed that their God was the God of rain. And so there is about to be a, a remarkable demonstration of God's superiority and how inadequate and false Baal worship is. You know, God demonstrates, or God will demonstrate to you how inadequate your worship outside of Him is. And if you want to wait for that to happen, then God bless you. And He will bless you maybe in some way or form. Right? Don't wait for that. Because God right here, as we're going to read, he's going to demonstrate some things that are important for us to understand. There is great stress and pressure, especially for King Ahab, as we're about to read. We see God represent good. We see, we see well, here's what we're about to see, right? We're about to see good and evil come together. This is the crossroads. This is the crossroad of destiny. When you have good and evil, and which one will you choose? In your decisions, there's good decisions and there's evil decisions. There's not really an in-between. Which one are you going to choose? 
we like to create an in-between. We like to have good and evil, and then we want to put right in the middle there, this is not so bad. But it's one or the other, guys. And God makes that very clear. Let's look at 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Verse 16, it says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed vows. Now summon the people from all over all over Israel to meet, to meet me on Mount Carmel, and bring the four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. He's saying, look, here's what I want you to do. You want to pick a fight with me? Call me the troubler of Israel? Here's what I want you to do. Go get all of them, all 800 of them, and bring them. And look what verse 20 says. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Isn't that interesting how, like, Elijah just stands up to him and says, here's what I want you to do, fella, king. And Ahab just goes and he does it. That's, that's how a leader speaks when he, when he defends God. He says, you go and do this. You know, Ahab blames the spiritual man for the trouble in Israel. It's, it's pretty much called gaslighting, right? It creates a false reality. Isn't that typical of what people do with, with, with disciples, with Christians, with men of God, with women of God? It's gaslighting, right? And what happens when you, when you get blamed, when, when the tables are turned? What do you do? Elijah blames the king and the idolatry. You know, to remove the sin and bless, if you remove the sin, then blessings will start again. Don't let people gaslight you. Don't let people gaslight you for being a Christian or for taking a stand spiritually. It's this false reality that people want to impart on you for being a Christian. You know, you may not know this, but there's a movie. I love old movies. And so this term gaslighting came from this movie called Gaslight. It was a it's, it it uh it was probably 1946 or somewhere around there. It was when the uh the movie was made. And so if you're into old movies, I suggest you go and watch that. Very good movie. It's a, it's a drama, but that's where this term gaslight comes from. You know, sin is the source of the trouble in our world, in our generation. It's sin. And if we do a good job in identifying our sin, we will be better off. 
Sin is the problem. But I just love how Ahab, he gets owned right here by Elijah. He just gets, he gets owned. He tells the king what will happen, and the king obeys. He pulled a Jedi mind trick on him. Some of you may, may know this uh, Jedi mind trick, but if you don't, here it is. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. three or four seasons? Get up for sale if you want to. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. That's what you call a Jedi mind trick right there. That's exactly what he did to uh that's what exactly what he did to Ahab. He he said, look, you know, go get all of them. Go get all eight hundred prophets. And so Ahab, as the scripture said there in verse twenty, sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Just like he was told. You think he wanted to do that? No. But just like he was told, that's what happened. And so we learn that Elijah is a Jedi. Let's look at uh, 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, starting verse 21, it says, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is good, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Right? How long are you going to waver between two opinions? One is right and one is wrong. Those are the crossroads to destiny. There is no in-between, like maybe, perhaps, is right or wrong. As in, your, in our behaviors, it's right or wrong. Don't try to justify the in-between because you can't. There's no way to do that. It's right or wrong. The scripture says there as well, but the people said nothing. You know, this is a picture of not being all in. They played it safe. God plus 
about their thinking. Let's have the best of both worlds, why don't we? God plus Bell. Why, why don't we just worship both their thinking? How often do we think that? Right? Why can't we just worship God and then worship a person? Why can't we worship God or worse and worship our jobs? Why can't we worship God and worship money? Why can't we worship God and worship the president? Why can't we worship God and worship this other person? Why not? Why can't we why can't we worship God and find something else that'll make us feel good inside and worship that too? It always has to be God and something else. Because that's what we feel will make us happy. If we got something else to soothe us from the challenge that God prevents, pre presents. Jesus hates when we are lukewarm. Revelation 3, 4, 14 through 15, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of, of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. You know, when we are neither hot nor cold, there is no real passion in either direction. When we choose to be hot and when we choose to be cold and lukewarm, there's no real passion in either direction. When we choose to, to worship God and worship something else, there's no passion with either one of them. And God is like, well, just choose one. Choose to be hot or choose to be cold. You know, there are so many examples of, of God plus from our lives. You know, many of you know that there, there, that people trouble with sexual purity. And we hear God plus porn, right? Because something has to make us feel good in order for us to follow God. And after all, it is not every day. But once in a while, we, we may say, right? Just once in a while, something else can be added to our worship to make us feel good. God plus something God has said no to. God says no to this. You say, well, I'll worship God and that thing that he says no to. Just like we learned last week with Solomon, right? In Deuteronomy, it talks about who a king should be. A king should not accumulate many horses, nor women. And Solomon says, well... I want to worship God, but guess what? This other thing here, I'll just bring that in too. All the women, all the horses, all the chariots. God plus our personal fixations. Some of us have personal fixations on things. If we want to worship God and those things, it would be absurd for Israel to go against God. 
So what if they just worshipped God and some of the time and Baal at other times? Because it would be absurd for them to turn completely against God. So what do they do? They make a compromise and say, okay, I'm going to worship God and worship Baal as well. Not giving up God. No, no, no. I'm just going to add this other thing. We do the same thing. We want to have it both ways. We tend to get quiet when challenged, just like they did. Are you listening? As I'm talking about this, are you listening? You hear how quiet it is. Just like with them, the scripture says, but they, the people said nothing. They were convicted. They got quiet. And I notice that when I'm up here, it gets real quiet. That's okay. As long as you're considering what I'm saying to you. As long as you're considering what the scriptures are saying to you. That's okay. Kind of uncomfortable for me, but that's okay. Some of us want God, but we want other things as well. Some of us would have rather called this series somewhat in. Rather than all in. Let's be somewhat in. Let's have God and let's have something else. In 1 Kings 18, 22, here's the proposal that was made, right? Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them, let them cut it into pieces and, and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. You know, this proposal is hard to resist, isn't it? It's hard to resist because they're like, it's 400 of us. And we're all going to call on our God, right? The, by the way, the God of rain and fire. Because Baal was the storm God, the bringer of rain. And so if we, if we consider some of the background on Canaanite God Baal, he was, he, was, he, was a God, he was a bringer of rain, right? He was also their hope in sustaining fertility crops, animals, and people. They believe that, that sexual acts performed in his temple would boost and contribute 
to his work in increasing fertility. Thus, Baal worship was a constant temptation and attractive even to the Israelites. Isn't that interesting? So they have, they, they're worshiping God, but now one of the reasons they probably want to worship Baal is because of how you worship Baal. Right? In sexual acts in, the, in, the, in, in their temple. So they're like, you know what? This ain't half bad. I worship God. I worship Baal. I'm good. I'm happy. For those of us who know somebody that struggles with pornography, you may want to preach this lesson. You may want to teach them about Baal. Because that is what they're doing. They're saying, okay, I worship God, but guess what? This over here feels pretty good, so let me do that too. And so that's why the Israelites were so attracted to it. It was a constant temptation. Hence, again, why God says don't marry into that. God's brilliant, right? I'm telling you. It's not rocket science, guys. It's very simple. So what we're experiencing or what we're about to experience, we're, we're experiencing in, the, in these, um, these verses a smackdown being formed. You know, I, I recently um, watched some WWE on Peacock, right? I've, I've not really been a fan of WWE, but I was watching it the other day, just kind of just sitting there and just flicking through and watching it. It's quite entertaining. It is quite entertaining. These wrestlers, and, and it's like a performance, right? And the lights are just like glistening, and, and they're coming on, they're strutting on, and they're getting the ring, and, and you know it's a performance, right? But sometimes I think they get whacked because one of them was bleeding, right? And, and I was like, man, this is quite entertaining stuff. Can you imagine being on Mount Carmel during this time? This is about to be a smackdown, man. And they're like, they're getting ready for it. And all the prophets are coming in. And Elijah's like, oh, you don't know what's about to happen. It's like pure drama, just like WWE. Packed. Packed house, just like WWE. Most of them on Baal's side, right? Most of them on Ahab's side, all these prophets. And all these prophets are surrounding, and they're thinking, oh, we got you, Elijah. Oh, you, 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 you brought this to us. You watch. And Elijah's like, yeah, you watch what's about to happen. Straight up smackdown about to happen. In 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 26, then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's, he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. He may be, may be going somewhere else. you got to call him back, get him back. 
Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. You know how lazy some of those gods are, right? Especially the wooden ones. So they shouted louder and, and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. You know, Baal here is exposed as an imposter. Many of us have these imposters that we worship just hanging around. And we're keeping them around. He's exposed as an imposter. And he hasn't brought rain for three and a half years. Why wouldn't, even, why wouldn't he have interceded over three and a half years? What can your false gods do? How do your false gods benefit you? The ones that you worship, how do they benefit you? Some of us may worship our belongings. How does that benefit you? Some of us worship people. How does that benefit you? Beyond God. The things that we are that we put God plus, how does those do those things benefit you? The false gods that you put your faith in and say and say it in addition to God. What are these false gods doing, doing for you? What is the benefit of these imposter gods in your life? But fire is coming. Because God will not be mocked. 1 Kings 18, 30. This is the callback right here. Then Elisha said to all the people, come here. Come here to me. I just love how he talks. He's like, come here to me. They came to him, just Jedi mind trick again, right? They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes, descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around, around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Then Elijah, I'm sorry, do it again, he said. And they did it again. Jedi mind trick, man. He's awesome. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. 
Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Leave it clean, you know what I mean? Elijah builds the tension. He builds the tension around what he's about to do. What faith in God? Where is your faith this morning? We have all these silly things troubling us sometimes. And look at how Elijah speaks with faith and confidence about what is about to happen. A straight-up smackdown. He rebuilds an altar from, from the patriarchs. Many of us have an altar that need to be rebuilt. We have a remnant of faith in our hearts that needs to be rebuilt. That has been broken down. We have lost faith and it must be rebuilt. There are too many things in our lives that just seem so like, I'm sorry, but it's, they're not major. Right? we got to have some faith and say, God is going to take care of this. Answer me, God. Answer me, he says. Where is our faith? A new altar, 12 stones, 12 jars, 12 tribes. You know, we go all in by being uniters and being together. That's what, that's, that's what that symbolizes. The 12 tribes, bring them all together. Build an altar with these 12 stones. Bring them together, unite them. We got to be united if anything is going to happen. We can't have an idea there, an idea there, a conflicting idea there, a conflicting attitude over here. We got to be united for things to happen. He said, bring those 12 stones, gather them. Let's unite this. Because all you Israelites need to come back to God. But also Elijah wanted to, to etch this contest, contest in Israel's memory. He wanted them to remember what was about to happen. This smackdown. And he prays this short but effective, amazing prayer. You know, it is a prayer requesting a Yahweh would intercede. A prayer that requests Yahweh to be seen as God and Elijah as his servant. That he is God's person. Are you God's person? In the things that are happening around you, are you God's person? 
When evil lurks, are you God's person? God is to do what Baal could not. And then we just see, it's like, boom. It's like this, it's like light everywhere, right? Fire burning. It's just crazy what they must have experienced. It's clear that God has responded. You know, 1 Kings 18, 39, we see the aftermath of all this. It says, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And they repeated it. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them and Elijah, Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of, of Carmel bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. You know, there's a penalty for idolatry. There's a penalty for idolatry in the Old Testament, and that penalty was death. But we don't look at it as a big deal. The penalty for idolatry is the same, but it's a death spiritually. Many of us went through so much to become disciples and to start worshiping God. So much to become Christians and start worshiping God. Do you really want to give it away because you have a second love? Just for some comfort on the side. Do you really want to give that away? Do you really want to give up salvation because of something that's going to make you feel nice on the side? As for me and my house, God is enough. God better be enough in my house. My family knows that, that God better be enough in our house. There's no side love. There's nothing on the side. That's inappropriate. God better be your first and everlasting love. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this touch and feely kind of thing when God did what he did. It wasn't like, oh, that's so fantastic. Look at what our God did. Oh, man, God, Lord, you are God and we're just happy. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't this dancing and singing because of what they just experienced. Elijah said, grab those guys. They dissipate God. They're going to die. He didn't just stand there and celebrate. Oh, this is fantastic. He said, no, get them. They're done. It's over for them. Now, you Israel, on the other hand, you got some repenting to do. But those guys, they're done. 
Those prophets, they're done. Especially because they were teaching you a way that is inappropriate. They're done. Matthew 5.27 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in, with, with her in his, in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Do we take this seriously? If you're ready to repent, you need to pull out the axe and start cutting off the things you're worshiping in addition to God. Repentance brings rain. When people go all in, the blessings start to flow. Could it be that our church, our family, has not gotten the blessing we expect because we may not be all in? We've been blessed in tremendous ways. But I stand here to tell you that I don't think, I don't think we have, we've come close to what God can do in this church. I think we are literally slacking behind what God can do in this church. And I really truly believe that if all of us made a decision, if all of us made a decision to go all in, we'll be, it will blow our mind what God does. Imagine the miracles that could happen in your life if you decided to be all in for God. And stopped wavering through indecision. Stopped wondering, is this good over here for me or should I be over here? We've had many people who have walked away from our church because they feel that there's something else nicer elsewhere. Some of them feel that there's something else, something that's nicer outside of God. For them, God is not enough. And I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to single anybody out. I'm just saying that we need to be all in. No longer do we need to be somewhat in. But all in. Now, if you feel that you are all in, amen. But if you feel that something can change, I challenge you before God to change it. If you stopped wavering between two opinions. It's amazing what God will do. You know, in our church, there are people who I know who are all in. Right? I'm not going to name them, but I, I know there are people who are all in. Right? But I think we all need to make that decision. I think if you're visiting with us today, I challenge you to make that decision. To be all in. Be all in for God. Today is the time to make a decision. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask you guys to 
I'm going to put a, a, a link on the screen here in a moment. And I'm just asking you to take a picture of the screen when you see it. Well, here it is, actually. Um, I'm asking you to take a photo of that. And behind that link is a, is a, is a response form, right? And I just want you to fill it out on your phones. Um, we're going to sing two songs when I'm done. During that time, you can fill it out, right? And I want you guys to respond about whether you want to go all in or not. On that form as well is if there's anything that you want us to pray about for you regarding you going all in, we'd love to do that, right? And we're going to come together as a church on Wednesday night, and we're going to split up men and women. And we're going to talk more about the lesson, but we're also going to pray for you, right? And so it's the link is anonymous, but if you choose to let us know who you are, that's fine. You know, when you do go all in, it's going to change your destiny. And so here's some, here's some next steps to consider. Take responsibility for your thoughts and stop wavering. Take action on your beliefs. What is, it, what is your evangelism like? What is your prayer life like? Your faith. What are, you, what are you doing practically to go all in? And what decisions have you made? Are you all in? If not, I pray that you will go all in. I will actually put that um, that link on our group me as well um, for those of you who may have trouble um, getting that from from the back of the room. But guys, let's let's look at some let's look at these series as lessons of change. Let's look at the history that we're being taught in the scriptures and make a difference in our lives. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, for um, the examples you give us in your scriptures. Father, I pray that these examples will not just be great, fun, exciting stories for us, but they'll be examples that change our lives, that change our destiny, Father. God, I pray that our attitude this morning will not be that of Solomon, but it will be the attitude of change, of being a better Christian, disciple, family member, friend for you, God, and for those around us. Father, help us to be fully committed to you. It's through your, it's your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, J.D. That was powerful. Very, very powerful. Uh, at this time, we're going to stand and we're going to sing 444. Soldiers of Christ, arise.
Let's stand up. We'll be singing Soldiers of Christ Rise, and then we'll see another song. Uh, if you, I guess then uh, it may be better to let people stay seated if you want, whatever. Uh, this is to allow you to have time if you want to get to the that website to, to do the, uh, the survey. But uh, we're going to sing this song, and then we'll sing another after that. But let's start with Soldiers of Christ Arise. <clears throat> Soldiers of Christ Arise and put your armor on. Strong in the strength which Strong God in the strength has. which God supplies. Strong in the strength which God supplies to his beloved Son. Strong in the Lord of hosts and in his mighty power. Who in the strength of Jesus trusts? Who in the strength of Jesus trust is more than conquerors? Stand in his great might with all his strength endued. But take to arm you. But take to arm you for the fight. But take to arm you. Someday, someday, someday. 
rags when he calls my name. God of the rags when he calls my name. Someday, he's gonna be raised on the cross of his soul. Gonna be raised on the cross of his soul. Someday, he's gonna be raised on the cross of his soul. Gonna be raised on the cross of his soul. Someday, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.